0: Hi, this is Randy Landry, and this is my 202nd podcast in Common Sense and Ramblings in America. Um, I'm going to be reading from an article, um, Pearl Harbor was not the only attack on the U.S. in World War II, and you can find that, or will you will be able to find that in the next couple of weeks, in common-sense-n-america.com, my blog, and... Uh, you may ask why I decided to um, read this article from my blog. Um, I mean, after all, World War II's II ancient history, right? Well, um, I'm reading this article for a couple reasons. First of all, um, how our government can show how our government can cover things up so people aren't aware of things that actually happen. And it also show that um, our country, as well we all well know, is not exactly immune from tax, from foreign powers, or from other bad characters. Um, that we, we do need to pay attention to what's going on um, as a country. That not everybody um, is a good guy. We, we know that for a fact, right? And that um, we're, just because we are bordered um, basically on two sides by... Fairly benign countries, um, Canada for one, which we know is not exactly that benign. I mean, they've been trying to rip us off in the, uh, economically speaking for decades. And um, Mexico, well, the, all the people crossing that from the border illegal aliens and all that, and the fentanyl and also the cartel wars. So um, there's just a lot of stuff going on and uh so I thought it kind of appropriate that I uh, to show you how our country has been attacked and one of these articles, one of these things in this art that I'm reading really going to read has to do with balloon bombs from japan and uh which is like didn't we just hear about something to do with balloons from China so that's not the first time um that just happened to few years ago, not the first time that balloons have been used to either, uh, you know, put us under surveillance or to attack us. So, um, history has a way of repeating itself, and um, this article will show some of that, I I believe, anyway. So, without any further ado, let me go ahead and just read this article. It's not a terribly long one, so my podcast today won't be that extremely long. Um, But, let's get at it. U-boats stalked the coast. Balloon bombs were set off to start wildfires. These assaults on the U.S. mainland caused destruction and panic when they weren't covered up. Most of the fighting during World War II took place overseas, destroying much of Europe and Pacific nations in the process. But there are little-known instances of Japan and Nazi Germany attacking the American mainland. These incidents, including balloon bombs, lurking U-boats, and a mysterious object flying in Los Angeles' night sky, highlighted the vulnerability of the u.s homeland and prompted increased defense measures they also unleashed fear and suspicion throughout the american population notably against japanese americans resulting in the internment of thousands of innocent people here are some notable examples of enemy attacks on u.s soil while war raged abroad japanese balloons between November 1944 and April 1945, the Japanese launched about 9,000 high-altitude balloons, known as fire balloons, that were carried across the Pacific Ocean in the atmospheric jet stream with the aim of starting forest fires in the United, Western United States. The balloons were kept afloat, using a mechanism that triggered a fuse when the balloon dropped an altitude, releasing a sandbag to lighten the load and rise back up. This was repeated until all that was left was the bomb. While there have been only 300 documented recoveries, some of these balloons reached as far inland as Wyoming and Montana. One had tragic results. On May the 5th, 1945, a balloon bomb exploded near Bly, Oregon, killing six Americans on a p- church picnic, including a pregnant woman and five children, the only mainland casualties that resulted from enemy action during World War II. While the Japanese hoped to instill panic and in divert resources from the war effort, the U.S. government kept the enemy's scheme under wraps from the public for fear of mass hysteria. Even the affected community was forced to remain silent after the disastrous event. And I've included a couple pictures um, in here as well. One, it showed uh, a copy of a newspaper article, Jap air raider drops fire bomb in Oregon. Another one, it just shows um, what the balloon looked like, or a photograph from a hangar. The German U-boat threat. German U-boats, an abbreviation of Uter-Seaboot. it's in German. The word, German word for "undersea boat," prowled the Atlantic waters along the American and Canadian coastline between January and June of 1942, targeting U.S. and Allied shipping. In the first three months of 1942, they sank more than 100 ships, some within sight of land. In North Carolina, alone, U-boats sank 78 merchant ships, killing 12,000 merchant marines. The U.S. Navy was not prepared for this threat, and the situation became so desperate that an unarmed civilian light aircraft patrolled offshore, though the pilots had no means of driving U-boats on the U.S. coastline. Some crews later jury-rigged their planes and bombs, successfully sinking two U-boats. The attacks finally declined after American merchant ships began sailing in transatlantic convoys accompanied by sea and air escorts. A skulking Japanese submarine on february twenty third, nineteen forty two, a Japanese submarine, the I seventeen, under the command of Commander Nishino Kozu, surfaced off the coast of California and shelled the Elwood oil field near Santa Barbara. It was one of California's largest oil fields, but unlike those in San Francisco and Los Angeles, it did not have a major military presence. Contemporary newspaper reports describe the attack as beginning at seven fifteen PM, with a total of about sixteen shells fired. Hilda Wheeler, who helped Run, The nearby Wheeler Inn described the scene. We saw the shells tearing up the ground as they landed between us and the water, ocean front. We all thought at first it was target practice. And then we looked out back and saw the earth spurting up and we were scared to death. Amazingly, the only destruction was a damage rig that needed $500 worth of repairs. And one man was wounded when he attempted to fuse an unexploded shell. U.S. planes chased the sub, but Nishino got away. Nevertheless, the incident generated significant fears of invasion among Americans living on the West Coast. Newspapers blurted, "Submarine shell Elwood oil field, and first attack of war on continental U.S." Soon after, the U.S. government unjustly rounded up more than 120,000 Japanese Americans, the majority U.S. citizens, and placed them in internment camps where they remained until. 1945. A Mysterious Flying Object The day after the Ellsworth oilfields was attacked, paranoia reigned, leading to one of the world's most bizarre home front incidents. Naval intelligence told units on the California coast to prepare for potential Japanese attack. At 2 a.m. on February 25th, the military picked up an unidentified flying object approaching the Los Angeles area. Believing the Japanese might use aircraft or balloons to launch an attack in California, they sounded air raid sirens, and the city went into a state of high alert searchlights aimed at the object, and more than 1,400 rounds of anti-aircraft ammunition were fired, resulting in a chaotic night sky scene. During the chaos, several people died as a result of car accidents and heart attacks, but no enemy aircraft was shot down, and no records or debris was recovered. This event, referred to today as the Battle of Los Angeles, remains shrouded in mystery with no definitive explanation for the mystifying object. A bomb-equipped floatplane On September 9, 1942, a Japanese submarine launched a small reconnaissance floatplane equipped with two 170-pound thermite incendiary bombs over the Oregon coast in the hope of starting massive forest fires and igniting large-scale panic. The pilot, Nobuo Fujita, released the bombs about 50 miles inland in the vicinity of Mount Emily, starting a smattering of small forest fires. Rainfall in the area made the forest damp and less prone to igniting. Bomb fragments identified as Japanese were collected and handed over to the U.S. Army. President Roosevelt called for a news blackout in the hopes of avoiding mass panic. Though The effort for fruitless since proved fruitless since so many people already knew about the attack. The military brought in fighter aircraft and blackouts were implemented on all along the West Coast. Fujita conducted another incendiary attack after midnight on September 29th, 1942, dropping two more two more bombs along the Oregon coast. He reported seeing flames, but no one on the ground reported anything. Five attacks on USL during World War II, the Japanese made a handful of isolated attacks on the coast of California and Oregon, while the Germans deployed spies as saboteurs to more broadly undermine the American war effort; ultimately, none had a material impact on the outcome of the war. Number one, the Dubesque Spy Ring, the most sophisticated German espionage operation in the United States, was established and busted before America even entered the war. The Duquesne's Spy Ring included 30 men and three women operating under the direction of Frederick Fritz Jobert Duquesne, a flamboyant South African adventurer and soldier who had also spied for the Germans during World War One. Starting in the late 1930s, members of Dusken's clandestine cell found their way into key civilian jobs in the United States. Some operatives served as couriers by working abroad, American merchant vessels and airlines, while others gathered information by opposing as military contractors in its first several months. Dusken's firing gained significant intelligence on American shipping patterns and even stole military secrets regarding the bomb sites used in American aircraft. Despite its early success, the Ducan spy ring was toppled in 1941, when a new recruit named William G. Seabold became a double agent for the United States. In addition to funneling dummy radio messages to the Nazis, the Federal Bureau of Investigation provided Seabold with an office in New York outfitted with hidden recording devices and a two-way mirror. Once Seabold had gathered enough evidence, the FBI arrested Ducan and taunt 32 of his operatives the biggest espionage bus in American history. Just days after the bombing of Pearl Harbor in December 1941, all members of the group were convicted and sentenced to so a total of over 300 years in prison. Number two, the bombing of Elwood Oilfield. After the attack at Pearl Harbor in December 1941, a small contingent of Japanese submarines was dispatched east to patrol the California coastline. On February 23, 1942, the Japanese submarine I-17 slinked into a channel near Elwood Oilfield, a large oil well and storage facility inside of Santa Barbara. After surfacing, the submarine lopped 16 shells at Elwood Beach from its lone deck gun before submerging and fleeing to the open ocean. The brief shelling only caused minor damage. The oil field, a pump house, and a single oil derrick were destroyed, but its implications were severe. The bombardment at Elwood was the first shelling of the mainland United States during World War II and it sparked an invasion panic among the American populace not used to dealing with war on the home front. A day later, Reports of American aircraft led to the so-called Battle of Los Angeles, in which American artillery would discharge over Los Angeles for several hours due to the mistaken loop that the Japanese were invading. <sighs> Number three, the bombing of Fort Stevens and the lookout air raids. The only attack on a mainland American military site during World War II occurred in Japan January 21st, 1942, on the Oregon coastline, after trailing American fly, fishing vessels to bypass minefields. The Japanese submarine I-25 made its way to the mouth of the Columbia River. It surfaced near the Fort Stevens, an antiquated air base or army base that dated back to the Civil War. Just before midnight, I-25 used its 140-millimeter deck gun to fire 17 shells on the fort. Believing that the muzzle flashes of the fort's guns would only serve to reveal their position, the commander of Fort Stevens ordered his men not to return fire. The plan worked, and the bombardment was almost totally unsuccessful a nearby baseball field bore the brunt of the damage. I-25 would make would later make history again when it executed the first ever bombing of the continental states by an enemy aircraft. In what became known as the Lookout Air Raids, I-25 returned to the Oregon coast in September 1942 and launched a Ushakusha E-14Y floatplane. After flying to a wooded area near Brookings Oregon the full plane dropped a pair of incendiary bombs in the hope of starting a forest fire thanks to light winds and a quick response from fire patrols the bombing failed to have its desired effect as it did a second as did a is second bombing over Brookings later that month the pilot of the Japanese float plane Nobuko Fujita would later make several goodwill visits to Brookings during the 1960s and was even proclaimed an honorary citizen of the town upon his death in 1997. Number four, Operation Vistorius. The largest evasion of American sail during World War II came in the form of eight Nazi saboteurs sent to the United States on a doom mission known as Operation Vistorius. The men, all naturalized American citizens who were living in Germany when the conflict began, were tasked with sabotaging the war effort and demoralizing the civilian population through acts of terrorism. In June 1942, you both secretly dropped the four, two four man crews on the coast of Amiset. New York, and Ponte Verde Beach, Florida. Each team carried up to 84000 in cash and enough explosives to wage a long campaign of sabotage. The men had orders to attack transport hubs, hydroelectric power plants, and industrial facilities. But before a single act of sabotage could ever take place, the mission was compromised when George H. John Dash, one of the saboteurs in the New York group, chose to return himself in to the FBI. Dash was heavily interrogated and after two weeks the U.P.I. successfully rounded up the remaining saboteurs. Six of the men were executed as spies while Dash had an accomplished were jail for six years before being deported by President Harry Truman. Number five was the Japanese fire balloons which I've already read about. So another little part of Japan had little chance of victory so why did it attack Pearl Harbor air raid on Pearl Harbor this is no drill. When they Urgent message from Honolulu reached Washington, D.C. on December 7, 1941. Even those who anticipated conflict with Japan were stunned by the attack on the U.S. Pacific Fleet at Pearl Harbor, nearly 4,000 miles from Tokyo. My God, this can't be true, said Secretary of the Navy Frank Knox. Japan's leaders had hatched a daring plan to let the United States know who was in control of the Pacific. Surprise attack had been in the works for months before the first bombs fell. Simmering tensions, Japan had begun an imperial expansion in the late 18th century, seeking out natural resources for the island nation as well as the buffer states to protect it. It defeated China in the 1890s to gain control of Korea and triumphed over Russia in the 1900s to seize the Ladong Peninsula and parts of Manchuria for itself. In the early 20th century, Japan's imperial, imperial efforts continued unabated as it took more and more territory from China. But by the mid-1930s, relations between Japan and the United States had become constrained. Through diplomacy and sanctions, the U.S. were trying to prevent Japan from becoming a great imperial power, a stance that seemed somewhat hypocritical. Why? Japan's leaders asked that their nation abandoned expansion at the insistence of Americans who had colonized Hawaii and occupied the Philippines. If the price for peace was to grovel and pull back, then they would fight. And we all know the first strike was on Pearl Harbor, where over 2,000 Americans were killed and dozens of ships were sunk and hundreds of warplanes were destroyed on the ground. And I'm just scrolling through. I have no intention of reading this entire article. And there was several missed warnings that we just... There is some scuttlebutt that's going around that we intentionally uh, let this attack happen. So, we could get ourselves into the war. Legitimate reason for fighting. I don't know. It's a possibility. <laughs> some of our leaders can be quite callous. And what's a few thousand people die- died. And I well know some articles I've written, um, Roosevelt, some of his actions resulted in thousands of people. But these, you know, troops are dying unnecessarily. Um. So we go in here, date which little live in infamy as a speech given by Roosevelt himself when we um, joined the war. So I'll read this real quick. Within hours of the Pearl Harbor attack, Japanese forces struck several other targets up to 6,000 miles away to clear the way for invasions that would follow. It was the broadest offensive ever launched at one time by a single nation. Japanese troops advance on the British stronghold of Singapore, among the American targets bombed on that same day were bases at Guam, Wake Island, and the Philippines, where dozens of fighters and B-17 bombers are destroyed on runways at Clark Field. As President Roosevelt stated, when asking Congress to declare war in Japan, this day would live in infamy. The Japanese show force hurt the United States, and it would be many depths or days before American Allied forces could begin to reclaim the lost grounds at the Pacific Theater. While well, they woke up the sleeping giant. So it just gives you to show that, yes, we are badasses to some extent. We're not immune from attack. Um, We do have to keep our eyes open um, to protect ourselves, right? We can't be too complacent. And not everybody coming into this country is here for the right reasons. And um, so do we have countless sleeper cells that are now being set up in this country with all these people crossing the border we have no idea who the hell is even crossing it in most cases even though thousands are being turned around or sent back home so i guess only time will tell what will happen to this country where we're going what our direction is so um just shy of 20 minutes here so um For some reason, my voice is just a little crappy today. (coughs) I'm a little stuffed up. (coughs) Sorry. So I will cut this short. And as always, watch your back. And you have a great day. Take care.